0: This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you.
1: The passage appointed for the epistle is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at the first verse. This, then, is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I, Paul, care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear. But that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring light, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time each will receive their praise from God. Here endeth the epistle.
2: The Holy Gospel is written in the Gospel according to St Matthew, chapter 11, beginning at the second verse. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the gospel of the Lord. Gracious
0: Father, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures, their precepts, promises, directions and light. In them we learn of Christ, grasp his truth, and have grace to follow his steps. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So I was at a children's Christmas carol event this week, and it was lovely, lovely time for my family. And the only problem was, almost for the entirety of the event, there was not a single Christmas carol sung. Don't get me wrong, there were songs, songs about elves and reindees and grinches, and some reason, they sung about watermelons and surfboards, and even Stegosaurus has got to mention, and of course, Santa. Santa Claus is coming to town, and so you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why, because Santa Claus is coming to town. And and then Santa arrived in a fire truck, and the crowd was chanting, Santa, 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 and the kids just swarmed to him. And then, as I was leaving, about an hour and a half later, um, Silent Night was finally sung, and a calming hope filled the air, reminding us of that first Christmas. Christ, the Saviour, is born. In this season of Advent, we are preparing for the return of Jesus. Jesus, you could say, is coming to town, and we need to be ready. And our friends and family also need to be ready. We need to help them, or as our collect says, by turning the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. But as you all know, bearing witness for Jesus in our secular age is a challenge. Evangelism or proselytizing is seen as offensive and inappropriate and insensitive. Add to that, our society has shifted The evangelist Rico Tice describes three moments in the way that evangelism has changed. There was a time when our society was Christianized. Most people attended Sunday school or or went to church on a Sunday. The evangelist Billy Graham was doing his speaking tours. In 1959, the MCG attracted a crowd of almost 130,000 people who came to hear him speak, and it's still the MCG record. Most people at the time had heard the Christian message, and were happy to go along and hear someone talk about Christianity. But then our society moved. Christianity was increasingly being challenged. People had some idea of the gospel, but there were defeater beliefs that stopped people from believing. And the role of Christians was increasingly to help remove these defeater beliefs, where where, be it uh, science, or historicity, or evil and suffering. The things have progressed yet further. Now a society is in a completely different universe. They don't know anything about the gospel. The words gospel, sin, grace, salvation, heaven, God, mean completely different things. They don't even know why they should care. It's of no relevance to them. It's like rollerblading or cassette tapes. Sorry if you still do rollerblading. Santa has replaced Jesus. And if they pay any attention to the SMH or the ABC, deep down they suspect that Christianity is a tool for oppression. Indifferent at best, hostile at worst. And so in this climate, what is our role as Christians? How do we bear witness for Jesus Christ? Firstly, what is our role? Well, the Bible tells us that we have been entrusted with a wonderful, hopeful message. We read... This then is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ, as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now, Paul, he has in mind Christian ministers, leaders. God has raised up, he calls them, servants of Christ, pastors and ministers. And you'll notice that the word to describe the pastor here is a servant, not a CEO or executive leader, but servants of Christ. And they've been entrusted with, With the mysteries God has revealed. The term here is steward. A steward was someone who was given in charge of a household. And they've been entrusted, instead of managing a household, they've been entrusted with the mysteries of God. When the Bible speaks about the mystery of God, it's, of course, a mystery that's been revealed. The notion that God and his saving of us was hidden before the coming of Christ, but now has been revealed in the gospel, in Jesus' death on the cross, for our sins, we have forgiveness and peace with our creator. And Jesus' resurrection from the dead means that we can have eternal life with him. I've found this as as a pastor, I'm presented with many opportunities where people come and open up their lives. And I have, a, have, have the wonderful privilege of sharing the gospel with them. And I've noticed that although our society in general has shifted from Christianity, people still turn to the church in crucial moments in life, such as birth, marriages, and death, especially in our area. Why is that? You see, a secular framework is ultimately inadequate. The sociologist Charles Taylor describes our secular age as having a malaise, a struggle to find significance or meaning in life. He doesn't know how to process these significant moments. They, they should feel significant, but and, and we know they are, but how do they fit in a secular framework? How do they provide any sense of meaning and comfort if this is all there is? Now we have all also been entrusted with the gospel. Sometimes we can think that ministers or missionaries are the the super Christians and and it's their role to do all the witnessing. And as a church, we need an outreach minister. And so they'll do all the work for us. I mean, after all, we pay someone to do our cleaning, our gardening, our dog walking. Why not pay someone to do our evangelism? Let's outsource it. I mean they'll probably do a better way, better job than me anyways. They've been to Bible college for four years. But you know, the reality is, God has placed you exactly where you need to be. We are all servants of Christ and trusted with the gospel. Ministers are not some special priestly class who do all the work. We all have this responsibility and privilege. In fact, you're better to witnessing for Jesus, to your friends and your family than a flying minister. I don't have the relational cap- capital that you've built up as you catch up with them over lunch, at the club, or a colleague after work. We all, if you've, if, you've been, if you've trusted in Jesus, we all can share this hope. In our reading on John the Baptist, Jesus tells us of the greatness of even the least in the kingdom of heaven. Greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist, though, he prepared the way for Jesus. And he's saying, even the least is, is, is greater than John the Baptist. But what John the Baptist saw was a shadowy picture. And so he, he asked Jesus, Are you the one who is the carmel? Should we expect someone else? But we all know and experience the blessing of Jesus if we've trusted in him and we see the full picture so that even the least of us in the kingdom of heaven can humbly rejoice and share this hope. In fact, God, throughout the Bible and throughout history, uses ordinary people to share this hope. His disciples were fishermen and tax collectors. Well, let's take the Samaritan woman who Jesus met at the well. In fact, her life was a mess. She had, we read, five husbands and a man who she was now with, was not her husband. And Jesus encountered her and said, I am living water, the Christ. And then she went to Bible college, studied for four years, learned Greek and Hebrew. No, she didn't do that. <laughs> she didn't do that. She, she, this is what we read in John 4. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who, who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came, come and see. Do you see the humility there? It's not arrogant, it's invitational. Could this be the Messiah? Come and see, come and find out for yourself. This ordinary woman who who's had her life touched by God's grace in her life. She encountered the living waters of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And for us, those who have been saved and experienced this blessing and relationship with God, we too can share this. We too can say, come and see, come and hear from the one who has changed my life. And so we need to help others be ready for Jesus and his return. Our reading today has a warning in it. It says, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. The Bible's clear that God will judge. People are destined to die once and after that to face judgment from the book of Hebrews. One of the most striking words I've read of this reality comes from someone who's not a Christian. Pen Gillette from the Penn and Teller Magician Double Act. Now he, he was struck when, one, uh, when someone came to him after his show and handed him a Bible and he was just touched by this. Now, he's not a Christian, and this is what he said about evangelism. He said, I, I always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you, if you believe there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or or, getting etern- or not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. I mean, if I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you, and you didn't believe that the truck was bearing down on you. There's a certain point where I'd tackle you. And this is more important than that. Remember he's not a Christian. We need to help others be ready. This life is not all there is. There is a God who made us, who loves us, and who draws near to us in order to save us. And so come and see. But how do we bear witness in our day and i i've just got two tips perhaps the word tips isn't the right way, right thing but maybe two ways of approaching it and three questions two tips be natural be joyful firstly be natural be yourself it's not a secret formula god has created you uniquely and wonderfully he can use your words your history your relationships your passions your dispositions and so take the pressure off yourself to be an evangelist Instead, be a Christian who loves to talk about Jesus. And like the Samaritan woman, let what you speak come out from the way that Jesus has changed you. How has he changed you? This is how how someone how others often describe as a personal testimony. And you can take the pressure off of doing a full gospel presentation. I think it can be easier if you're just looking for opportunities to share what you can and extending invitations to service or events or sending things to read and watch or listen make use of the opportunities here at st mark's and in our church community and the resources here sharing jesus should not be a guilt-driven task rather it should be coming from a joyful intimate relationship with jesus and so be joyful is the second is the second tip be joyful john 15:11. jesus says These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. Now, I could listen to someone sharing something they love or are passionate about for ages. And if your joy is in the Lord, it's attractive, and you can't help but talk about it, and it'll come out. I remember someone sharing about their passion for cars. I couldn't care less about cars. Cars help you to get from A to B. But he was telling me all about these different cars. Cars that he had, he liked. Red, white, blue cars. But it was contagious. I just wanted to hear him talk about cars. And if you have a joy in the Lord, it will come out. There will be something attractive about your faith. It will change even the way that you live. It must change the way that you live. You're not someone who always complains about someone at work or someone that you know or speaks negatively about others. I think the secular perception about Christianity is that it's a killjoy. It means denying yourselves of certain pleasures. But when people see you, when they see you, do they find a peace hope, and joy that they quite can't understand. Your own conduct and life should be a living testimony so that your friend, neighbor, and colleague says, you know, I, I've been told that Christianity is joy-sapping and hate-filled, but that's not why I see my friend Charlie, who goes to St. Mark's. And, you know, he, he, he even offered to pray for me the other day. Well, And he said he's been praying for me. and. And he's, he told me about how, how Jesus changed his life when he was a teenager. He told me about the connect group that he's involved in every Wednesday and the, and the church community that he's a part of. And the other week he invited me to his church's bereavement service. And I couldn't make it, but it was really thoughtful of him because it's been a tough year since losing my mum. Let your life Be a living testimony and seek opportunities. So be be natural, be joyful. And three questions that you can ask. Would you like to come for dinner? Uh, Hospitality is a rare trait these days. People are looking for connection. Take those opportunities to go deeper. Would you like to come to church? People are far more willing to go to church than we think. That's what all the surveys tell us. Or even a men's event or a women's event at church. Every week is a good week to invite your friends and families and neighbours to church. But especially coming up, Christmas and Easter. And then finally, the third question. Would you like to read the Bible? Now I think this is a little bit harder. But I think it's a good question to ask. Especially if they've shown some curiosity. People have no idea where to begin to read the Bible. And yet, it is such an important work that has influenced our society and the Western canon. And if you want to be an an informed individual, you have to have at least read the Bible. And so, brothers and sisters, my two tips, be joyful, be natural. Three questions. Would you like to come for dinner? Would you like to come to church? Would you like to read the Bible? But brothers and sisters, Santa is not coming. Christ is coming. And we have a far greater hope to share with our world. And as people entrusted with this hope-filled message, let us be a church that continues to encourage one another in that. Amen. It's right that we pray as well. And so I'm going to bring us back to the Collect for this third Sunday of Advent, and let us pray this, because without prayer, our efforts would be in vain. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources, and find more information about the community of St. Mark's.